0: Good morning, Church of Woodbine. It is uh, very cool to be saying that, but in a different phase of our service this morning. So I'm thankful for the privilege of being able to bring the sermon today, and uh, I have a question for you. Who is a sports fan in here? Anybody? Woo! Yeah. Ooh, we got a couple. All right. So I'm a huge sports fan myself. Um, my favorite sport is what we call soccer here in America. Uh, Around the world, it's called football. And, uh, yeah, football. And my favorite football club is Liverpool Football Club. Now, I have a really weird story about how that became my favorite. You can ask me after the service. Um, But they are a global brand, and they play in Liverpool, England, in their stadium called Anfield. And within Anfield, there is a historic main stand where all of the the massive supporters are at, it's called the COP. And if I get that slide up, please, um, so we have a visual of just what it looks like. But the COP hosts thousands of people at least weekly, if not bi-weekly. You see that? Look at all these people, they're all excited, they got their banners up, their scarves up, they're waving flags, they got the TIFO going. And all they desire is that when they gather is to see their team win. They want to see them score goals. But what I want to point out is that thousands of people on a weekly to weekly basis gather in order to come together in a unified force to help support their team. Um, so this is a beautiful visual of what unity looks like. And I want you to keep this illustration in your mind as we go throughout our service today, as we dive into Acts chapter 4, verse 32. So Acts chapter 4, verse 32 tells us, now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions were, was his own. But instead, they had everything in common. What I want us to highlight here is that the phrase, they were of one heart and one mind. This shows us that they had incredible unity. And what this one verse is, it's a summary of a larger process. The summary of a larger process that I think is really broken down well in actually in Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. So, I have a question. What is required for unity? At the bare minimum, what's required for unity is at least two or more people. And I think the temptation in American Christianity is to think of our faith in terms of me and not we. But that's not what our faith is meant to be. It's not meant to be, I'm a Lone Ranger Christian, and I'm going to live this life out to the best of my ability. It's meant for us to gather together. and So that's what we're going to talk about today. Our, our sermon title is The Church Gathers. So before we jump into Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, I want to give you some context about what happened right before this verse. So, What we have right before this is we see Peter standing up in front of a crowd, surrounded by the other 11 apostles, and he is preaching a fire message. Straight fire, no cap. Um, But his message is this. He says, this Jesus that you have just murdered is the Messiah. Two, he says, you are guilty of his blood. You're simple. Three, you have the opportunity to be forgiven of that because of his death. He calls them to repentance and baptism, which we got to see one today, which is amazing. So what happens after this message is preached? We see something incredible that is the work of God. We see that the Holy Spirit moves mightily through the proclamation of Peter's sermon and brings 3,000 souls to salvation for their faith in Christ. And I want us to think back to that image of the cop stand in Anfield. Could you imagine from one proclamation of the gospel that many people coming to faith In Jesus. That would be incredible. And it can happen because the Holy Spirit has that sort of power. All right. Now, if you would, let's stand again as we read Acts 2 42 through 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And every day the Lord added to the number those who are being saved. Thank you, guys. You may be sitting. So, our sermon today is the church gathers. And I have three points that I would want to cover that I see in this passage one, the church gathers for spiritual growth, two, the church gathers for generous or in generous stewardship, and three, the church gathers in missional communities. All right, so let's go to verse 42 through 43 in our first point. Gathered in devotion for spiritual growth. Who is the they in this verse? I think it's always important that we know what the pronoun is referring to. The they is that 3,000 brand new believers that just gave their, their life to Christ as a result of the Holy Spirit drawing them. And then there's another word that pops out on the screen or on the page. It's devoted. What does devoted mean? I think we have some images in our mind of what it means, but I'm a words guy, and I I love to have it spelled out for us. So if we could get the devoted definition up on the screen, please. So devoted or devotion, what it means to be devoted, is to give all or a large part of one's time, typo, resources or or resources to a person, activity, or cause. So what were these 3,000 new believers devoted to in this verse? They were devoted to spiritual growth. They were devoted to drawing closer and deeper into intimacy with Christ. How did they go about that? Well, we see they did four things. And what these four things are, they're spiritual disciplines. And simply put, spiritual disciplines are ways in which we grow into more intimacy with God and more intimacy with others. I always want us to, throughout this sermon, let's have that communal mindset because I think so often we can be focused on our, our spiritual disciplines alone. But it's really cool that in this passage, There's groups of people who are doing these together. So what are those four spiritual disciplines? Well, four spiritual disciplines that we see in this this text is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread. And they devoted themselves to prayer. So what are some definitions of these things? Some of these could be confusing. And I think we might have ideas of what some of these are that aren't actually accurate. So let's show them defined. So the apostles' teaching is simply this. They devoted themselves to scripture. They devoted themselves to the written Old Testament. They devoted themselves to what the apostles were preaching that would come to be the New Testament as well. Two, they devoted themselves to fellowship. And I think in church, we can throw this word around very loosely. It is cool to hang out and be in community. But what this word means in the original language is a partnership with one another. These 3,000 were investing in each other's lives in a very real way. Three, breaking a bread means they were sharing a meal. And we'll see in a, in a later verse, that that's house to house. Um, so probably the Baptist favorite of these three spiritual disciplines. Um, and then four, prayer. And so what's prayer? Prayer is simply being in conversation with God. And I put it there, for one another. Because again, this is commun- this is communal. And these spiritual disciplines are vital for our spiritual growth, our growth into greater maturity in Christ. And what's the result of these 3,000 3, living out and devoting themselves to spiritual growth? We see the Holy Spirit move in verse 43. Again, they were all in awe, and they were seeing miracles performed through the hands of the apostles. All right, so we see that the church gathers for one, spiritual growth. Two, the church gathers in generous stewardship. And we see this in verses 44 through 45. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this point. Um, Doug's going to unpack a lot of this next week, so tune in. Um, But we do see something incredible. So The scripture says, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Sorry, I love the running water in the background. Um, What we see here, some people misinterpret this. and say, oh, look, there's biblical support for communism. (laughs) Collecting it all together, distributing to all. But that's not what this is referring to. That's a hard pass on scriptural evidence for communism. What we see here, though, is that through these 3,000 spiritual growth, they have a new perspective that's gained. And that perspective is called stewardship. And stewardship, what that means, is simply this. We see all things are given to us from God, and they are his. They're not our own. And so we use all everything that we have our time, our talents, our uh, possessions and our finances to glorify God and to serve others. Yeah, and so in that they no longer view their possessions They no longer view their possessions or anything else that they have in terms of simply me. They view them in terms of we. So they no longer sought to hoard their resources, but they gave freely, first back to God and then to others. All right. So we see, one, the church gathers for spiritual growth. Two, the church gathers... And generous stewardship, and three, the church gathers in missional community. I think community community is something that everyone says that they want, but I think it's something that sometimes few of us are willing to commit the time to, cult- to cultivate the community that we desire to have. And we see this communal aspect in full effect in verses 46 through 47. So they said, so the scripture says, every day they devoted, the word again, themselves to meeting together in the temple, and then they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, Praising God, and enjoying the favor sorry, enjoying the favor of all people. every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So what did 3,000 do in order to cultivate that community? They met with consistency with one another. And where was that at? First, they met corporately like we are today, in the temple, worshiping God and being with one another. But secondly, they met communally in each other's homes. And what was the frequency? It says day by day, their consistency was daily. They were worshiping God together in two different contexts. And this verse for us at the Church of Woodbine is vital because this is one of the cornerstone passages for our home groups. We've taken this scripture and we've said we want our home groups to be based on four things. Four W's what we call them. We want to be welcome, worship, word, and works. Because we see that this is vital for true community amongst believers. Those four things. So, as they were meeting together on a daily basis... What do we see happen? There's a change in attitude. They have grateful hearts with one another. We've already seen that they've changed their perspective. So there's a mental and there's an emotional change in how they interact with God and how they interact with one another. Also, they see, we see that they have lips that praise God as a part of their consistent community. And then God does an incredible work. And he allows them to have favor with all people he starts building bridges with the people that are in their spheres of influence so that they can have an opportunity to have an intentional relationship with those around them for the sake of the gospel so we see that they're having gospel conversations and now you might say full stop Johnny i don't see in the text anywhere that they're it says that they're having gospel conversations now i would say you're right it's not explicitly in the text But implicitly, we see that they're having gospel conversations because we see that the Holy Spirit brings people to salvation. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. And so, as we discuss what a gospel conversation is, I heard, we know that Doug spoke on this last week. But again, I'm a word guy, so I love definitions and I want us to have a very clear understanding. This is our definition of a gospel conversation gospel conversation is simply this, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and searching and trusting the Holy Spirit with the results. Why I love this definition is that it takes the pressure off of each and every one of us of the outcome of that conversation. Our role is to merely be faithful and to walk in obedience in sharing the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and bring people to salvation. And what was that frequency then? I say frequency a lot, but I think it's important because the author, Luke, has talked about it twice, kind of bookends this section. Day by day, they're doing this. So day by day, they're gathering corporately. They're growing in their faith. And day by day, the Lord is opening up opportunities for them to share the gospel. Is that incredible? Amen. You can say that. <laughs> um, it's good. So here at the church at Woodbine, we have a phrase. It's on my the corner of my whiteboard in my office. It says, "Everyone in a group, and everyone on mission." And why do we believe that so fervently? Well, it's because of this passage. And a quote that I have acquired and that I love that I think really sums it up is simply this. Community feeds the mission or fuels the mission and mission feeds the community. So as we're spending time with one another, we are able to live out the one another's of scripture. We're able to love one another. We're encouraging one another. We rebuke one another. We care for one another. And within that community, we we're able to exhort one another to go and to be on a mission where we're at, in our lives, but also if the Lord calls us overseas. And then what we see from the mission is that as we're faithfully walking and obedient and sharing the gospel with others, the Holy Spirit is bringing people the faith, and plugging them back into the community, the church. And what I really love about this passage is, we're going to go back to the 3,000. They were new believers who responded to a gospel presentation. And then at this point, we see that those 3,000 have grown in their faith, And now they have become disciples who make disciples. So we see that the church gathers. And how did these 3,000 come to be disciples who make disciples? They did three things. They gathered for spiritual growth. They gathered in generous stewardship. And they gathered in missional communities so worship team you come ahead go ahead and come on back up what we're about to enter into the aspect or the phase of our service that we're about to enter into is an intentional time where we want to create space for you to respond to the proclamation of the word the same way the the, the 3000 did and so I have one question for us to think about today Start our call to action. How will you commit to consistency in biblical community here at the Church of Woodbine? So another way to word that, or I haven't actually reworded it up there, what is a way that you can commit to consistency in a group here at the Church of Woodbine this week? You can make it a smart goal. And if somebody says, hey, Johnny, I'm in a group, guy. Like... I'm set. My question for you then is, who can you invite into your biblical community this week so that they can share in the benefits of what true Christian community is so that they can learn how to love God more and how they can learn to love others more as well. Thank you. Let me pray for us real quick, and then we'll turn it over to the worship team. Heavenly Father, God, you are holy and righteous and worthy of all praise. And God, I pray that today you have been glorified through the praise and lips of your people. I pray that you've been glorified in the attitudes of our heart. I pray that you've been glorified in the message that has just been proclaimed. And Father, I pray for everyone who has been able to hear this message right now. Holy Spirit, would you enact a work in their heart? where they are able to respond today, whether that's in their pews or that's coming up to the front and talking to somebody about next steps or just a prayer request that they have. God, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made in order that we could have relationship restored with the Father. God, I pray all these things for your glory and for the good of our people. It's in Jesus' name, amen.